You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. songs about it. God is a faithful God, and He will remain faithful. This is is a little bit of review from this this intro here. I'm going to give you an intro, then I'm going to give another intro, and then I'm I'm going to share with you the the thought and the point for today, and then I'm going to create a challenge at the end. So as a way of intro to the intro, I want to remind you of one of my like love-hate relationship verses. I've said this a few times, and, and all of God's Word is, is worth loving, but there's this one verse that I have a love-hate relationship with. And the reason I have a love-hate relationship with it, again, in way of review, it's because I, I've seen it like almost weaponized. You know, it's like, hey, my plant shut down and I'm out of work. And then some well-meaning person comments on your page to that post. They say something like, well, all things work together for good. And you want to say to them, well, yeah, but I want to punch you right now because this doesn't feel very good. This feels hard. This feels confusing. And you got a bad news from the doctor and, and someone wants to say to you, all things work together for good. Here's the thing. All things do work together for good, but, but sometimes things just don't feel very good. We're definitely not promised that all things are always going to feel very good. In fact, the verse of scripture that I'm referencing is Romans 8, 28. And Romans 8.28 says, it starts with, for we know that, which is already a little bit of, a, of like a, a gut punch, because it's like, this should go without saying. Like Romans 8.28 starts with, this should go without saying, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so we, as the body of Christ, I, it's, it's safe to say that those of us that, to, as the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, the community of God grafted into the family of God, that things are going to work out for us if we stay anchored in who God is because we are very, by our nature, called into being according to God's purpose. So we know that all things work together. But the reason I, I, I love this verse and the older I get, the more and more I get to love it. He said, this verse is not about the moments that you're going through that they're gonna feel really good. It's to say though that the older that we get, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we history that we have. I, I just prayed it. And I, I don't know why I always get this visual, but I, I get this visual of like when, the, when I'm old and I feel, I, I feel really old. I would play the show with my band, rode my motorcycles and my back's hurting. Those things used to be easy on me. Now my back just hates my guts. So the older I get and I, I feel very old today, the more I realize that though I questioned and doubted and wondered what God would do in all these bad situations, the older I get, the more stories I have of his faithfulness. And I imagine myself sitting on a front porch drinking sweet tea. I don't even like sweet tea, but I, I think that's what old people do. They sit on the front porch and they drink sweet tea. And I'm, I'm probably going to be yelling, get off my lawn to people because I think that's also how it goes. But, but the more older that I get, the more I look back and my, my beautiful wife is sitting there with me. And I, I'm able to say to my wife, who's probably not drinking sweet tea, she's drinking a glass of champagne. And she says, Dustin, don't you remember when that thing happened and it looked like it was over for us? And we go, sheesh, I do, babe. But he was faithful. And we might say, don't you remember that time when that thing happened back in Ohio? And, and we just couldn't, we couldn't figure it out. Like, it just seemed like, how are we possibly going to make it? But God, God was faithful. 
And don't you, and maybe for you it's like, remember when that plant closed down and you were out of work, but, but you decided to go back to school because you needed to find a, a plan. And because you went back to school, you stumbled upon the career that you love and this thing that you thought would be the end of you. God orchestrated those things to actually be the very best of you. That, that, that's Romans 8.28. It's not that the plant closing down was good. It's that he's so faithful that he even uses that to create goodness in your life. And that, that, that's the, the intro to my intro. Because the intro that I want to give to you is the, uh, talking to you about this thing that we are doing as a church. If it would make a difference in you, I would get on my knees and I would beg you to go with this in this next chapter. And if you were to raise your hand and say it would make a difference, I will get on my knees, and I'll beg you. But I'll wait till I, I tell you what we're doing so then you can decide if you want me to beg or not, but I will beg. But I'm going to ask you to go with us into this thing that God is doing next because we, we found ourselves in an impassable place as a church. So after my intro to my intro, my intro is to give you a little bit of history of what God is continuing to do to be faithful in the midst of the Red Seas that we come up against. Because the, the last message that I got to preach here referenced the Red Sea. And they referenced the Red Sea because Moses got to the part where he had just gotten out of the Egyptian slavery and, and now he's running from the Egyptians. And if you remember, it was the message that my dad preached called What's in Your Hand? And I, and I referenced that, that Moses stretched out his staff that was already in his hand across the Red Sea. And then when he did that, the, the waters parted, which was to say that everything that Moses already needed to make sure he could get the people through, he was already given. He had everything he needed to be able to get through. He just had had to say, I don't know how to do this without you, God. And then when we say, I don't know how to do this without you, God, then God says, I've been waiting on you to ask. And God said to us, I've been waiting on you to ask because we had this impassable thing. So 18 years ago, we moved into this building. You'll notice there's a whole bunch of people, staff in the room that are wearing their shirts called the church has left the building because this church is our, our staff is already aware of this. Now I'll get to introduce it to our family. About 18 years ago, we, we, we took a mortgage on this building. I don't want to belabor this point very much because we, in two weeks from now, we're going to have a Q&A time after second service where you can come with all of your questions. And I can't promise you we'll have all of the answers, but I can promise you that we are starting the process now of developing those answers. See, the problem with radical transparency is you can't have a whole bunch of offline conversations. You need to just tell the people all at once so we can begin to work on it together. And so I told our staff on Tuesday, I'm telling you now, and in two weeks, if you have a question, write those down, even through this message. You can email them to me if you want. We'll address them after second service in two weeks. But, but the 18 years ago, we got into this building. And this building, the, the plan was, was, a, was a really good plan. This church was, a, it was about two years old, and it was growing very quickly. And so the founding pastor and, and the, the, the uh, CEO of a company called CDFs, Church Development Fund, if you hear me reference CDF, that's our mortgage company. And so about two years into a church, our lead pastor, our founding pastor and CDF, they, they, they bought this building. It used to be a state farm building. And they wrote a mortgage for $4.6 million on this building. The, the idea was that we were going to outgrow this building very quickly. The church was only two years old, and it was growing extremely quickly. And so two years in, they just imagined they would continue that trajectory of growth. We'd sell this building, and then we'd put that money down on a new facility. Well, God, God didn't exactly un, unravel it that way. And so the church just hit a plateau in, in, in terms of growth. And then in 2008, the mortgage crisis hit. 
And this building that we, that the strategy was, hey, we're going we're gonna to hang on to this and sell it, became worth $2.6 million. And so we were, we were in a mortgage that was upside down. In fact, uh, I, I wasn't around for that particular part, but when I entered the scene about nine years ago, our executive pastor said, Dustin, I just want you to know, because I want to be forthcoming with you, that, that we're in a building that we're completely upside down in. And for some people, the fiscal reality of that it, it makes them feel uneasy partnering with us. And so he said, I just want you to know that we owe $4.6 million on a building that's worth about $2.5 million. And so this, we're, we're in this building indefinitely. The only way we can grow is if we keep adding on services. And, and so we just add on services and add on services. But this building is where we'll be. Now, I just want to give you a really quick history, history, and then I'm going to get into what God is doing in us. So that's, that's, that's how we got into this building. Well, sometimes things happen. I mentioned them. Diagnosis of health that maybe happens in your world. Maybe a loss of a job. Maybe a broken down relationship. And in the same way, things happen in the, in the family of God. And some of those things that happened changed the, 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 the landscape of the church. About seven years ago, our elders, uh, they, they exited the founding pastor and they asked him to, to move on. And, and when that happened, all of that created pretty much a church split down the middle. We became a church of about half the size, just like that. And so we were in this building that we took on as a church, at a church of about a thousand people. Now we were a church of about four to five hundred people. And then, then COVID hit, and I'm, I'm fast forwarding, you'll just have, I mean, you, we'll, we'll talk more about this on the Q&A time, but then COVID hit, and COVID changed everything for the landscape of the church. I'm, I'm on a bunch of newsletters and all the, and like, uh, just church kind of updates, and church, not just buildings, but church communities are dissolving and closing down at an alarming rate. Because the church has changed. The landscape of the church has changed. And it's almost comical. We joke about it as a staff. Because you didn't have to come to church for so long, that meant that people could like pop in online. And so you ask somebody, where do you go to church? I go to Impact. When's the last time that you, that you were there? Oh, I, like October or something. I check it out online sometimes. But, but now the engagement from people after COVID is way different. And the church is having to learn how to evolve because of that. So COVID changed everything for the church. And then in the middle of COVID for us, our lead pastor died. A lot of you guys have joined us after COVID, but a history, just a quick snapshot, our lead pastor that, that took the church whenever that the founding pastor was exited, his name was Mike Vanderdusen, and in the midst of a pandemic, he, a brain tumor took his life, and, and he, he asked me to lead this church during COVID, and when we reopened from COVID, it was, we had these ingredients that were set before us. In fact, uh, I found out, and you've heard me say this at the budget meeting, maybe even from this stage, the first item of business that I wrestled through was the fact that we were over $100,000 delinquent in this, in this building, on this mortgage. This mortgage, man, it's just always been a challenge. To no fault of any individual, this building, became, we, we, be, we, were, we, we want to be a ministry-focused, a ministry-driven church, but we were forced to be a mortgage-driven church. We had to figure out how to pay $27,000 a month. And in the time where we couldn't pay $27,000 a month, our mortgage company would be very generous to, to defer part of it, write a, write a balloon payment for half the mortgage that would come due in a couple of years, and then just interest only. And, and if, if you've been around very long, we, you've heard conversations about the mortgage time after time after time again. Well, well, something happened in May, in May, just May of this year, so just, just last month. In May of last year, we had put together an agreement with our mortgage company to basically put on the back end all of our delinquencies and to have a mortgage structure that was $16,000 a month. And in a couple years, it'd be back up to twenty-seven, twenty-eight thousand. 
And for the first time, so we, we paid that $16,000 for our, paid our staff and our mortgage and all the expenses that go into this building from July of 2021 all the way through April of 2022. And then May hit, and it was the very first time that we could not pay for this building. And what's crazy is that I almost knee-jerked reaction. As your pastor, I... Uh, you can imagine the, the you can imagine the the, the problem solving mode that that creates. You can imagine, I mean, just f- frankly, the old crap situation that that creates that we have to figure out. And so I began to pray, and I wanted to send an email right away. It's like, hey guys, we need to we need to pay our bills. We, we we dig deep. Let's be generous together. And I'm telling you honestly that the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks, and He said, Dustin, no. What I want you to do is to say what Moses said. I can't do this, God, so I need you to do something. I don't know how to move forward past this, God, so I need you to do something. And, and in essence, what God called and invited me to do is not to uh, say, all hands on deck, let's go. What God invited me to do was just to spend time with him and to say, I can't get through this, God. Will you make a way? And I'm here to tell you, in the most exciting and, and scary news of my vocational history in the church of 20 five plus years that God made a way and he's making a way and it's something that we are doing next and I hope you will go with this. I, I implore of you to go with this. Let me tell you a little bit about what this thing is that God is doing. When we know that, when we know that all things work together for good, who, to those that are love God who are called according to his purpose, he has a way of making things good. And it's going to include a whole new way of thinking about church. And it's you and I building something together that's never been done here in this community. And we get to discover the new thing that God wants to do together. The name of it is going to be called Converge. The name of Impact moving forward will no longer be Impact beginning in October. And I'll unpack all of these things. Put that slide up for me, sweetie. Oh, oh yeah, hold on. No, we'll skip that. Let's go. Skip that. Skip that. There you go. Right there. Converge, Christ Community Culture. What that's not is our actual logo because basically my whole staff made fun of me and said that was the worst logo they'd ever seen in their life. So I just decided, okay, then let me make sure to say not the same logo, not the right logo. Let me tell you, so now what I'm going to do is walk you through a PDF that has been the, the plan that, that, that I worked on for a while and took to our elders, took to our leadership staff, and our leadership staff and our elders have been doing this now for the better part of about, well, actually, The week after we couldn't pay our mortgage, we began to hit the pavement, uh, praying, laying all the options on the line. Stay here, stay here short term, stay here, what's what's required of that? Stay here long term, what's required of that? And ultimately and unanimously, our leadership all said, no, we're going to do this, this thing that we built together. And Mike and I, maybe you know this, Mike, the lead pastor, Mike and I, we began to talk about a name change in in, in 2019. The reason that we decided to talk about a name change is for the same reason that like my wife and I love to go to Makuni's. And if we were to go to Makuni's and they, they stopped making sushi and they started making wood grilled pizzas, I'd be confused. I, I would say, I like both wood grilled pizzas and I like sushi, but I'm really confused because I thought this was a sushi spot. There's nothing wrong with either of those, but when the menu changes so much, it might be worth considering a name change. And 21 years ago, the church that we were, that was a phenomenal church, but that's not the, the heart of the church that Mike shaped. And it's not the heart of the church that God is shaping in me and us. 
And so a name change stands to say that when the menu changes, we would love to say to the people in the community that have come and gone, maybe try the new menu. Maybe try the new thing that God is doing. And I'll reference that verse here in a little bit. But Christ, community, and culture are the words that matter a lot to us. Why the name Converge? Well, the name Converge is, is your guys' fault. Let me, let me explain. The name Converge is your guys' fault because God's always wired me. If I'm being honest with you, God's always wired me first and foremost for the people that aren't here yet. That's just how he's wired me. Like, like, and some of you guys know that thing, storytellers that we do, which we would go into clubs and bars and we'd have nights of worship and people would accept Jesus. And then, and then we'd host these things called conversations that were just in, in tap rooms and restaurants. And we just invite them to come and, and ask whatever questions they wanted about faith, because I've always wanted to be for the people who aren't here yet. But I've been in, I've worked in church since I was 16 years old. So I love the church. I've been a worship guy since I was 16 years old, which means my job is built around those people that love God. Because worship was all about saying to lovers of God, let's tell God how much we love him. So I always have a job in the church, but I worked a job in the church so that I could go really, really do the ministry that my heart was after. And that was those that weren't in the church yet. And then you guys ruined me because you guys, Mike asked me to lead a church. And when your buddy's dying, you lead his church. And and then you guys shaped for me a family that I'm so excited to give my life to. You guys shaped in me the missing piece, which is not either or. You guys showed me that there is a community that we could create that is worth us being a part of and worth us investing into and, and giving our lives to, to become the family of God. I always was so naturally wanted to be, create spaces outside of the church. And then you guys welcomed me in this role and shaped for me a love for the church that I have never had. And so converges this idea. If it's not either or. No, we have to be about those that are in the church and those that are not in the church because that's who Jesus was for and that is the church that we're going to be. The next slide gives our mission statement. Our mission statement, know Christ, build community, and engage culture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to pick and choose what I want to lean into and explain to you because I could do all of it and you could be here for three hours and then none of you would go with this because you don't want to listen to anybody talk that long. So know Christ, build community, and engage culture. Nothing more important than knowing Christ. Nothing more important. Listen, I'll say that again, and if you believe that, say amen. Nothing more important than knowing Christ. Man, and then we get the chance and the choice to build community. And so that, that's what we get to do in the engage culture. The very heart of this mission that you will see as I move forward, the very heartbeat of this mission is engage, the Great Commission says to go. Go. Engaging culture flips the, the, the traditional model of the church on, on its head. The traditional model of the Western church says, come, come and see, come and see how we tell the story. But, but the, the Great Commission says to go engage culture. And I believe with every ounce of me, and I've, I've been trying to do it with some of the people that I hang out with and playing music and things like that, that we should be engaging culture. The church should be at the heart of shifting culture. The church should be at the heart of engaging culture in a way that culture thought that this was best for them. But the church shows up and we flip culture on its head because the best thing for them is to know God. We should engage culture. The vision of how do we do that? Our vision statement is developing radical faith for our everyday lives. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many, how many of us would, 
But just by doing like a, a, a personal reflection, know somebody that says like, man, I, would, I could never go to church because I'd get struck with lightning. You know, I could never go to church. I'd, I'd, I'd combust. <laughs> yeah, right? We all got those. Yeah, we've all got those people. And, and sharing this with a handful of people that I've shared this with, like, like the most exciting thing about this, about this whole model, the most exciting thing about this whole model is the idea of inviting people into a place that they won't be intimidated by when they show up. The most exciting part of this model is developing radical faith in our everyday lives. It's, it's, it's as if to say, what, you know, it's to say to those that aren't here yet, it's to say to the person that's never come to church, saying, did you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Like you, you, don't, you might not know to give yourself credit for that. You might not know to give a creator credit for that. But it's to say to those outside of the walls, did you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made? And because of that, the way God's wired you, your gifts, your bins, your talents, all the things that he's given you, did you know that he wants to use you exactly the way you are? And he wants to engage you right there and to begin to develop radical faith, which is opposite than the sense that says, come in here and once you got it figured out, no, no, we want to engage people developing radical faith in their every, everyday lives. Go ahead and head to the next one. So here's the model. And before I share this model with you, the P- I'm, I'm basically walking through a PDF. So this is just a stretched out version of this right here. Uh, on the QR code in the seats that are all around you, uh, the, this PDF is available to download there. So it'll be there if you want to get it after service, you, wanna, you wanted to follow along now. If you get it now, will you just do me a favor and make a holy vow that you won't skip ahead because I actually want to walk through it with you. So let me go back to our mortgage conversation because there are some of you that would absolutely rightfully so want to say, well, wait a minute, you, you skipped the part. Well, I skipped it on purpose, but I'll come back to it. And I'm back to it. So we decided... That right from day one, the very first time that it wasn't about us being, it wasn't un, we weren't unwilling to pay our mortgage. We were unable to pay our mortgage. And instantly, within two days, I reached out to our mortgage company and I said, heads up, guys, I'm just going to tell you uh, that, that we, this for the very first time ever, we can't pay our mortgage. We, we've drawn from savings and you, we, we can't pay this mortgage right now, not that we're unwilling. And so I said, I need you to know that I'm seeking God about what this means. But, but here, here's what I said that I'm so grateful was so well received. I said, guys, I need you to be praying for me and us because I refuse. I, one thing I know, this is me to the mortgage company. One thing I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is I cannot, we, we cannot continue just to recycle this dysfunction. I, I said, my, my, my kids might decide they want to be pastors. I doubt it, but, my, but they might decide they want to be pastors. And if they wanted to be a part of this, we, I want us to do the work that allows them to be a ministry-focused church rather than a mortgage-focused church. I want us to do the kinds of work that does the heavy lifting and creates something that is sustainable so that we can invest the dollars and the energies that we want to in our families and not just in our mortgage. And so I said, we can't do that right now. So will you be praying for us? And then our leadership team went and prayed about it. We laid, we laid out all the options in the Q&A time. I, will, I would love to unpack those for you because you will be mind blown to know the mountains that God moved for us to get to where we got. So I said to our mortgage company about a week and a half later, no, it's been about, it was about three weeks later after we prayed and met and prayed and met and fasted and prayed and met as a leadership. And we came to the conclusion that it's time for us to, to no longer be in this building because we just physically can't afford to be in this building. Between the church split about eight years ago, 
between COVID and it's where we are now, we, we, will, we will constantly be crossing our fingers and hoping for the best month after month after month. And so I contacted our mortgage company and I said, guys, I, I, we're not going to stay here. I want to I offer, like the, only best, the best offer I can make is to offer a deed in lieu of foreclosure. And I know we owe $4.6 million in a building that's worth $2.5 million. And I'm just all asking that you would consider that. And then I said, I'm going to go ahead and be super crazy idealistic. And, but I serve a, the kind of God who does crazy, unreasonable, unrealistic things, idealistic things. And so I said, I'm also going to ask that we could just stay in this building rent-free uh, while, we, while we launch what we're doing next. And not only did our mortgage company, out of just g- complete graciousness and generosity, they, they accepted the deed. So we are free and clear. We don't know a stinking thing on this building. Not only that, the mortgage company said, you guys just stay here. You guys can stay here rent-free. And then on top of that, we were on a Zoom call with them. And one of the guys said to me, they said, hey, have you, can you, this is before they said you can stay rent-free. Is there any way you could, you could rent, maybe think about renting back from us? The COO on the phone call said, listen, and I won't say his name. He said, listen, it, it would mean that, that two, three, four, five, six thousand dollars they'd be renting from us from would mean a whole lot more to their staff and their church than it would for us. So we don't want that. We just want to bless you guys on whatever God's got next for you guys. So, so listen, did you know that this, this building that was a burden, when we, stre- when we asked God to make a way, the very thing that we've been, every single person in leadership, in any level of leadership in this church, has lost sleep over this building. Every single pastor and elder and leader has lost sleep over this building. The thing that used to take our sleep and, and was a burden to us, did you know that now God is using to give to us to be an anchor where we can launch into the very next thing from? Because that's the way God's economy works. Amen? It's okay. You're like, I, I don't know how I feel about this yet, Dustin. So that amen was like, that amen was like, amen? You're, you're like, hey, hey, amen. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Let me tell you the model. Let me tell you the model. The model is one church, lots of options. I can't unpack this all the way, but I'm going to do my best to. One church in four locations. Dustin, we can't afford one location. How in the world are we going to afford four locations? Well, there's four locations at launch. I'll tell you those. I'm going to drive by them, then I'll unpack them. Number one is the Converge Life Center. I'm going to show you that next. That's the most important part of this model. The Converge Life Center is the most important part of this model. I'll tell it to you in just a minute. And then the second location is we're going to have a place to meet that is a place to meet every single week that doesn't change. You can invite your friends. We'll be there. I want you to show up. If I ask the question, when's the last time you invited someone to church? Well, you have a reason to because we're doing something brand new. And that's going to be Sundays, 9.30 and 11 a.m. We're also going to have a Sunday evening service because some of you grieved the idea that we didn't have Saturday night service. And so we thought in this model, let's do a, Saturday, a Sunday evening service as well. So that those that want to come in the morning can. Those that it's just easier on them to come at night, then let's launch doing that. So Sundays at 6 p.m. And then online services. If we've learned anything post-COVID, that's probably the future of the church in a real, real uh, un- unavoidable way. In fact, like it's, it's, it's crazy that, that every week about 85% of the, of the giving comes in online and some, many times from people that we haven't seen in this building in quite a while because that's their new home is to watch virtually. Those are the model. I want to tell you more. I'll break those down super quick. Just try to stick with me. The very next slide is the Converge Life Center. So this right here is in essence where we are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So let, let me explain 
One of the non-negotiables for us in this model is we've got to be a place to service families throughout the week. If you ever popped in here on Tuesday, there's so many people in this building, like meeting people and there's, there's a counseling happening in offices. People just come to hang out because they like to be here. Last couple of weeks, someone just walked in the door and, and said, can I, I just need a place to pray. Can I go to the worship center? Yeah, of course. We turn on the lights and, and they can just come in here and pray. So this is, this is the lifeblood of where we are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's where our offices are for staff. It's a small, it, would, it would be small group headquarters. It's a central hub for the community events. Things that we do like craft night, things that we do like the, 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 the big kids things. This is the Converge Life Center. It also would be storage for our mobile church equipment. A nod to what I'm going to tell you next. Storage for mobile church. There's a midweek location for Converge students and Converge kids. And then there's also a small stage set up for special nights of worship and band rehearsals. So I know you can't really see it. This is one of the places that we're looking at at the bottom. And when you download the PDF, you can, you'll be able to see it better. It's about twice the size of the garage, maybe a little bit larger, about twice the size of the garage. So it'd be a space where we could host nights of worship. We could host, the band's going to need to rehearse and be ready. So it's a place for rehearsal. It's a, it's a place for us to do the kinds of things that we would do here throughout the week in a smaller scale. So the Converge Life Center. And I, and I just want to, I'll go ahead and nod to what, 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 what makes this such a God-sized thing is that we have been looking at commercial real estate for quite a while. And, and, you know, we really were hesitant to sign a lease because our ability to do any of this is completely hinged on who goes and who is, continues to be faithful to this new thing that God has called us to. And so we signed a lease. We just wanted, we, we felt it was our due diligence would be to actually communicate it to our church and, and ask the church, we can accomplish this unless the people go with this. If, if, if folks decide that they don't want to cross the, the, down the way that the Lord provided and they want to go around to a different community of faith, well, that determines where we can post up. And so my ask to you to go with this is so that we can accomplish these kinds of things. And then we made that decision and then the call with CDF happened so where they said that you can stay here rent-free. So we decided to wait because we didn't want to sign a commercial lease just yet. And then CDF says you can stay here. So you're sitting, you're sitting in the Converge Life Center that doesn't cost us a stinking dime. That is the very, that would be the very heart of the church that we're building. You're sitting in the spaces where offices will still be and kids will still meet and students will still meet. So we didn't have to pull the trigger on a commercial space because in God's sovereignty and goodness, he gave us keys. He let us keep the keys rent-free for the one that we already have. Let's go to the next one. So our Converge Worship Centers. So we, we went through about every single theater in town and finally landed on, we're going to meet at a theater, on a Regal Theater, it's the one right down the street. It's two miles away. It takes you six to seven minutes from here to get there. It's right where Sheldon and Bruceville, when it turns into Center Parkway. We did very, very strategically created a space for you guys to show up so that it's, we're not asking you to trek across town. We're asking you to go about five or six minutes that way, about two miles that way. Well, actually, no, that way. Don't go that way. I don't know where you'd end up. Go that way. About, about, a, about two miles away is where we're going to meet up. And what's awesome about this is that I had no idea this existed until uh, we began to pray about what God would want for us next. Now play that clip real quick, Georgia. Pull that sound up. That, watch this. 
no idea that places like Google and Cinemark, they actually have divisions that are, are there to, to facilitate church in their theaters. Like, like they're not open at that time. And so they facilitate church in theaters for a wildly discounted rate. I had no idea. In fact, here's what's crazy. So I have a rep now. His name's Aaron Carlson. And Aaron Carlson changed the, the, the contract that the movie buyers had because I, I, we, the church theater has to be out by 1130. But I said to Aaron Carlson, bro, I, we're not planning a church. We're a church going mobile. And I, we're going to probably need two services. And so change the contracts with the movie buyers for those three theaters so that we could have the access to that theater until 1 p.m. Like the, like the, in this building here, let me fast forward. Go to, go to, uh, trying to decide what to tell you and what you don't care about. Go to the very last slide when it talks about, no, hold on, wait. The phases of launch, phases of launch. What I found out is that, uh, see if I can show it to you. So uh, July 2021 to April of 2022, our monthly mortgage was $16,000 a month. Operating expenses, utilities, landscape, alarm, phone, Wi-Fi, etc., $6,000 a month. Roughly $22,000 that we have been paying to, uh, as a church from July 2021 to April of 2022. Well, when we launch in a theater, just one service, that's only $4,400 a month. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, 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 for, for a room that's perfectly acoustically treated, that's ready for us to show up and play and just, and just have church. You'll see right there, I'm not going to go back to the slide. I want to try to breeze through and not try to get everything to you. We have lots of time to do this together. You'll notice here, the PM service is launching at a spot where we just happen to become good friends with over the last couple, year and a half. So I was thinking, how do I, where, where can I launch a Sunday evening service? This is important to me. Well, we made friends by being good neighbors with the people at the barn, which is right over there off a grant line near Wilton. And so I called the barn. It's got this banquet room. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about hosting Sunday evening services. And the whole point of this model is that we want to partner with existing facilities and be invited into your spaces to tell the story of the Gospels, to truly go. And is there any way, how much would it cost me to rent the space? And she said, Dustin, I'll get you an alarm code and a key. It's yours. We close at, we close at 3 o'clock on Sundays, and so it's yours. You can have it. No, no charge. You just lock up, lock up when you're done. And so phase one, when we were paying, right now we're paying $22,000 a month to be here. Well, we're going to be able to have two services in a theater and a Sunday evening service and then not even be paying for this for roughly $4,400 a month. When we do... When we do two services, it's going to be a theater launch with two services. It goes up a little bit at $7,600 a month. But there's no fee for the barn. We get to have that free, rent-free, which is, by the way, what happens when those outside of the walls of the church see a generous love for them. Uh, they, can you believe that we, I know this firsthand, it's crazy when you begin to get invited into places outside of the walls of the church to tell the story of the gospel because you just genuinely want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we got keys and a code rent-free. So we were able to do two services, a Sunday evening services, and still have this space. And it's 7600 bucks a month versus $22,000 a month. What you see at phase three is eventually they're going to sell this place. Uh, the COO said, Dustin, we'd have to have the, the buy of, this, of the decade in order to have this building sold by the end, by the, end of the year. And he said that, you know, in my, he's been there where he's at 20 years. And he says in 20 years that we haven't had a deal that could come together that quickly. So, so eventually we're going to have to find the Converge Life Center. But, but God, God deferred that need so that we could be here 
4400 bucks a month. Let me, let me tell you a little bit. The last thing I want to tell you before I tell you the launch date. I want to do, what do we need? Go to what do we need? What do we need? Here's what we need is as a church. You'll notice the top one, we need a trailer or a box truck. We need that because we'll be a mobile church. I just wanted to tell you because God just, because God likes making ways and making it very evident to us of his plan. Like I, my, uh, my, my spiritual director, my pastor is a church out, runs a church of seven campuses out in Michigan. I shot this to him about a month ago and within the same day he said, Dustin, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a 24 by 8 foot trailer and load it full of portable church gear, audio, video, lighting, what you need for kids ministry, and I'm going to send it out to you. Uh, so everything you need for the trailer and the things inside, I'm going to donate to you because I just am so excited for the mission of this church that he said, my church isn't called to. But when I read this, I get excited about how God has wired you and in, in your community to be able to accomplish this. So that need's already been met. Can someone give God some praise for that? Come on. What else do we need? We need families to launch with us and to keep skin in the game. Can I tell you that, and I'll reference this right before I close, I know this is intimidating. I know this is scary. Trust me when I say, my wife knows, I, I this is about four days straight, I didn't, I couldn't eat, I couldn't even keep food down. I'm scared to death. Our, our, our staff met on Tuesday night and, and we talked about it as a team and First off, praise God that we were in complete, that our, our support staff had no idea. We shared with them on Tuesday in full 100% unity and agreement and ex- being excited about this thing that God's going to do. But there were emotions that were understandably all over the map. And so what we need is not for you to just be completely have no questions, have no concerns, have no reservations. No, we need you to wrestle through those so that you can, in an excited way, go with this. So families to launch with us, keep skin in the game. Maybe say, yeah, I'll go. I'll give it six months and I'll continue to be faithful. Maybe you're not being faithful. You're like, well, we now we need faithfulness more than ever. I'll give it six months I'll, and I'll get to the end of the year and then I'll decide, is this for me? I'm not going to jump ship and bail because it's new and intimidating and exciting. We need that. We need volunteers who love people. It's been wildly hard to get volunteers post-COVID. What I believe God did here was to finally give us vision, the cast that people can get excited to be a part of that's new and exciting. One of the things I've heard over and over and over again from our team is I'm, I am so excited to be at the ground level of building something brand new. We need volunteers who love people. Maybe you will step up and, and, and help us cast that synergy. People spreading the word. Deb said just the other day, she said she was praying, and, and one of the things that she thought is like, you know, we get out of the rhythm of inviting people to church because we just do it every day. Now we've got a reason to start spreading the word. My church is doing something brand new, and, and I know you know where the church building is because you probably saw Top Gun Maverick or something there. So that's where also we're going to be telling God's story. You can invite people. We need, most importantly, a whole lot of grace. A whole lot of grace. Like, like, be, be Ask every single question, but can I, can I beg you, family, for the benefit of the doubt? Can I beg you to be the kind of family that gives each other the benefit of the doubt in the space before we get to able to answer the questions? And then finally, generous one-time gifts to help us prepare for a mobile launch. $50,000 is our launch goal. Let me say something here about this because this is kind of what God prompted on me. You're not going to hear me talk about this a whole lot, that bottom part. I will, as the Holy Spirit leads, I will, I will mention it. 
And this is one of the weeks that I'm going to mention it. And the reason I'm going to mention it is there are some people that could say, you know what? Yeah, man, I'm in. I'm in for 5,000 bucks. I'm in, I'm in for $1,000. I'm in, I'm in for insert this amount here. But you know what the Holy Spirit put on my heart? There are some folks that can do that and can invest that. And, and I, would, I would urge of you, if God even remotely leads you towards that, will you consider it? Because we desperately need to be able to have something to, that we can fall back on as we navigate. We have to invest in marketing materials. We have to invest in, in all, a million things. I'm not going to tell you all the different investments. We'll talk about that in the FAQ time. If that God puts on your heart to give one, two, three, ten thousand dollars $10,000, do that. But you know what God said to me in this? I'm not going to be harping at you to give big checks of money. Those of you that can, thank you. But we, just be faithful. I, I, I began the process of raising these funds reaching out to every single ministry partner that I have, giving them this and saying, will you help us accomplish this mission? And God is already doing things outside of the walls of the church to help us be the church. For those in here, I'm not putting that pressure on you. I'm just asking that you would show up and be faithful with your tithes and offerings. Just faithful just to show up and be generous with your tithes and offering, and I will shoulder the burden of responsibility to get us to the point when we're ready to launch. Moving through, I'm not going to read it all because you'll have a PDF. Let me tell you, the the next slide says, what's the long-term plan? You'll have a PDF that I want you, if you want to, to read again. It'll be in that QR code, but the long-term plan is to strategically create new worship experience locations by partnering with existing theaters and venues. Let's leave that up for, I'll walk through them on a, on a, a drive-by 30,000 foot view. Strategically create new worship experience locations by partnering with existing theaters and venues. So this is just the beginning. What I hope that we do is to say, hey, there's six families driving in from Rancho Cordova. Did you know that it's only 500 bucks to, to make that available to them there? And with technology, we can begin to create community, not to where we're just, this is the only space that we come to, but to actually strategically build communities. Now that we know and have a phenomenal relationship with Regal, who is so excited to help us build this model, now that we are doing that, we just strategically partner with existing organizations. I had somebody reach out to me and say, I heard about what you're doing. Uh, we, uh, there's a, there's a, a theater that I'm, I'm a part of. I just want, it's in Centrus Heights. If you ever needed it, I just want you to know it's yours. Right? We're partnering with people that are already out in the community, asking them, can we tell the story of the gospel? And what's so cool is that we know what the, what the, what the investment is. We know what the risk is. The hardest part to ever imagine launching a site is cost of real estate. Well, we, we know that for $500, we can launch a theater or launch a venue for that week. And so we want to strategically partner with venues that are already doing their thing and ask for them, can we come in and tell the story of Jesus? Build and expand our ministry, reach into new communities rather than to a campus. When you read this, you'll, you'll see the, the reference to the Great Commission just to go, go into all the world. So the, the Converge Life Center will be where our family can come. Come, come, come. We'll have events there, families there, kids there, meet with the pastors there. Come, come, come. But when it comes to the story of the gospel, we're going to be going. We'll have a place for you to come. But the model of the church is going to be about going. And then finally, probably a, a phase three, phase four launch. Quarterly weekend experience is known as the convergence with all the locations worshiping together in one large gathering to truly be a church in, uh, in multiple locations. Once a quarter, 
say we're building an, we're designing an app right now that that has push notifications that everyone who's a part of our church will will be able to have this app that'll get push notifications and once a quarter we'll start announcing it a few weeks early hey all of our locations we're, in, we're not going to do Sunday evening and we're not going to do the theaters we're going to be we're going to be here at, at the consumeness Oaks High School Performing Arts Center and our whole community will be there for one big weekend service They're called The Convergence where we get to look around and hear the stories about what God has been doing through His church. Y'all with me? Cool. Cool. I want you to read those. There's, there's those break down into all kinds of different small size bites. So when are we doing this? Well, we're doing this uh, the, uh, the launch date, I, I prayed and asked, started asking God, when should, we, when should we do this? And he took me to Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says, These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. So Luke 10.2 talks about the church saying, hey, there's a lot of work to do. You just got to go do the work. And so we're going to begin the process of heading out into the fields, sending out the workers on 10.2 on October 2nd will be our first time launching our first service. Now, now this will still be where families are hosted. This will still be where our offices are at. This is, will still be where students gather. But on October 2nd, we'll not be having worship here and we'll be launching into this new thing that God is doing. If you remember the story of, of Moses and the Red Sea that I started with, he said, uh, I, thought, I thought of the visual that I've seen in, in the Prince of, is it, yeah, the Prince of Egypt. If you, if you saw that visual where like the walls, the, the, the sea was parted, and then that big shark that swims by, it's like that really iconic scene. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like that big shark that swims by. I, this whole thing for me, do I believe with every ounce of me that God is part of the Red Seas? I do. And listen to me when I say I do. The converse of this was to say to CDF, we can't pay our mortgage. They sue us. We have to dissolve the corporation. And now we are all displaced as a staff and a community, all trying to find what we're doing next. But God has a way of allowing his people to stay together and not be dispersed. And I think of that scene in the Prince of Egypt, because I have been in the process of even getting to where I could tell our staff, like, like God, I, I see that you made a way. It's obvious that you made a way. But there is so much swirling. That, and I'm asking people to step into the middle of it. And there's people like, it might come down on us. I thought, yeah, it might. What if that shark comes out? I, I didn't create this. This isn't Dustin Burke's idea. God made a way. All I'm asking you to do is listen to me. I'm all in. I am going in and I'm stepping through the thing that God created. I'm just asking for you, rather than be intimidated by what you see all around you, will you consider walking with us into this thing that God wants to do? Because Isaiah, Isaiah says this in 43 verse 18, but forget all that, but forget all that. Did you know that the forget all that is actually really great things? The prophet Isaiah is saying, forget all that. What is he asking them to forget? All of the deliverance that God gave them, all of the miracles that God did on their behalf, all of the things that God blew their mind with. Isaiah, the prophet says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do for I am about to do 
something new. And he says, don't you see it? I've already begun. Let's celebrate God. Come on, let's do that. Let's do that. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God's got a way of making a way. He doesn't promise you that you won't be scared to death. He just says, will you go where I made the way? My beautiful wife's going to come up here and we're going to have a word of prayer together. I almost did like what I do at shows. And I was like, ladies and gentlemen, my wife. But she gets mad at me every time I do that. So, Ladies and gentlemen, my wife. I mean, I can't not. I can't not. I can't not. Yo, she said, are you going to make me talk? She never knows. It's a constant this is a side show with me, being married to me. John, I want to tell you before my wife prays is to give you permission for something that just to sort of settle into. Like, like, we're going to, over the next two weeks, I'm going to thank you for the grace to sort of try to bear all this thing. We had a two-hour meeting. You Thank you for the grace to try to cram that into uh, about 40, 45 minutes. I mean, it means a lot that you would be here. Those of you that got the newsletter especially, thank you so much for deciding, all right, I want to see what God is doing. I'll say it again. And if it would make a difference, and if he's like, yeah, I kind of want you to beg, I, I got no problem with it. I'll get on my knees and I'll say, because the reason I would, I would beg is because we, our staff, on behalf of our staff and on behalf of what God has called us to, that we are united to, we cannot do it without you. We literally, now, now God will, might make a new way. He might provide another way. But what he's called us to as the family of God is that I play a part and I'm doing it right now. Our staff plays a part. They're doing it right now. They'll do it all week long. And you play a part. And your part is to show up and to be faithful to what God is inviting us as a community to. Maybe it's to say, I'll give you a few months. There's a passage of scripture, though, that, that, that I wanted to make sure I hit. And I, I give this every time I do a celebration of life service. And it's, it's found in I, John eleven thirty five. John 11.35 is the shortest book in the entire Bible, or the shortest passage in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. John 11.35 says, Jesus wept. Just as a way of closing, Jesus, you know, Jesus wept. He was looking over and he was weeping because Lazarus had died, and he saw the friends and the family of Lazarus just grieving. They actually, the friends and family of Lazarus actually thought Jesus missed the boat. Because right when Jesus got there, he's like, where were you? If you'd only showed up sooner, he'd still be alive. We know you could have done something. You're Jesus, but now you're too late. And Jesus looks over at the, at the, uh, the friends and family of Lazarus, and, and God's word says he wept. But if you know this story, then you know Jesus wasn't weeping because his hands were tied. He was weeping because he saw that this affects people. People are going to have emotions about the loss of Lazarus. And likewise, you're going to have emotions. You're going to be attached to things. That, that even though God, you got this loud person up here saying, God's made a way. Aren't you so excited? Even though I'm up here trying to rally you, it's okay that you're like, yeah, but this is hard. Yeah, but, but I found Jesus here. Well, if I, if I had to stay where I found Jesus, I left that church at 11 years old. God's going to be doing a new thing, but in the process of him doing his thing, it's okay that you go, I just, I'm just hurting by all this. I'm confused by all of this. I'm scared to death. Did you know those emotions? Jesus actually right now looks down and he says, I feel that with you. The most empathetic passage in the entire Bible is Jesus 
looking at the friends and family of Lazarus and being moved to emotion. But you know what Jesus did? Even though he was moved by emotion, Jesus walked down to where the ending was and he brought life again. He didn't cry because he was like, now what am I going to do? He knew exactly what he was going to do. But he cried because people were feeling all kinds of things. And then, once we dealt with the feelings, once Jesus walked through the emotional part of it, and he said, I got work to do. I'm bringing new life where you thought it was done. So let's take the time to feel what we need to feel, to ask what we need to ask, and then let's stand aside and say, look what Jesus is going to do. That when it seemed as if it was going to be over, Jesus said, it's okay, we'll deal with the emotions. And then Jesus said, I got some work to do to bring brand new life into a place that would otherwise be dead. But Jesus said, I am not done. I'm doing a new thing, breathing brand new life. Can we stand together, please? I asked my wife to, just to pray a prayer. Per, I wish COVID wasn't so scary because I would make us all like grab hands all across the sanctuary, but I'd get hate mail. So if you're, whoever you're near, just, just take the hand and, you're, and maybe this is going to be reconciling. You, you and your wife are fighting the whole way here and I'm making you hold hands. Yeah. Just kind of in a sense of solidarity to what God is doing I want my wife just to pray for us. And let's do this together. Going into the city and telling the story of Jesus. Dearly Father, just thank you for who you are and thank you for new things and change. I know a lot of times change is scary <laughs> and uncomfortable. It can just make us feel like we don't have control over a situation. But sometimes change can be exciting and new and fun and there's a part of it that we can like sense growth and newness and maybe even just a lightness so god i pray right now that you would just fill us all with hope and with peace and lord i just really pray against divisiveness or feeling the need to like have to have off conversations. I pray that if there's questions that need answers and there will be, and if there's thoughts that need to be said and there will be, that we would just do those well together, talk about them well together, have conversations well together, answer questions well together, maybe not know the answers well together. But God, I just really pray for a spirit of unity to be with all of us. We've talked so long that God, we're family here at this church together. And God, these walls don't make us family. The fact that we love each other, that we show up for each other, that we bring meals when people are sick or that we help when a fence needs building, that's what makes us family. And so I pray that you would just unify this family right now and keep us so unified over the next few months and just keep us excited about what you're gonna do, what you've already done, the crazy doors you've already opened and the crazy things you've already kind of like pushed out of our path so we have a way to move forward. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've already done. And God, I just pray that we would be so ready and so along for the ride of how you are just going to blow our minds with everything else you'll do in us and through us for this community, but also just us as family, God. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.